eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. It is business as usual here at Lions 24-7, certainly not across the globe right now, unless you're a prize NFL free agent. It's been a rough few days behind us. Uh, more to come, but we'll keep you engaged. We'll keep you distracted the best we can on Lions247.com. Uh, content continues to roll out. We've got a lot of coverage up right now on a, f- a far range of topics. And of course, right here on the show, you can come to expect us being around on a weekly basis. Sean, you went on vacation. Um, hope you had a nice time, relaxing time. I hope you didn't check your phone. I know you did all those things, but you're back, and you are back to this. Uh, so, hey, what's up? I told you I, I couldn't quit you guys, um, and unfortunately, I really, really wanted to last week. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was good to get out, and uh, some things are just a little bit bigger than, than my vacation time, so we took care of that, and unfortunately, just everything was rolling in one direction last week, and that's that's where we stand right now with no football to talk about. We, uh, practice was supposed to start on the 16th, pro day on the 17th. Usually, we have a litany of things to talk about this time of year. It's kind of a, an accelerated period period in March and now all of a sudden we've got nothing so uh yeah it was good to get out and about it was uh also you know tough to sit back and watch things crumble but you and Mark did a good job of handling things our our desk at 20 our national desk at 24 7 sports really just kept on top of things and kept people in the loop and did a really nice job with that so thankful for them um and they're they're actually expanding um you know national stuff I, I know some of you uh, you know, we'll read the stuff on the Facebook and read the stuff everywhere, but our national team really does do a good job, and we're, we're thankful to have them, even if we don't have football right now. And our uh, recruiting gurus out across the country, our, our scouting department at 24-7 Sports, they've got a fresh edition of the top 24-7 for the 2022 class, so players who are going to be juniors this upcoming fall, uh, that is all up online right now. And, and and while we're thanking people, thanks again to Mike Gesicki for taking time out of his day last week, and, and it was a really good timing to hear from him and, and have that conversation. Hopefully it was a nice distraction for some of you out there. And if you missed it amid the chaos last week, head on back to our most recent uh, episode. We got about a half hour in with Mike talking about his Miami Dolphins career, favorite memories from Penn State, uh, just a, an array of, of conversation uh, with Mike. So thanks again to him. Uh, we have a nice story to share as well on this episode with an interview. Fatorma Moba took an international route to get to uh, his career at Penn State. He was among the 11 enroll- early enrollees uh, on campus this semester. Uh, he's got quite quite the journey to get here. You'll hear about that coming up here 
here later in the show as we continue our early enrollee interview series. But uh, let's get to you know the the elephant in the room for all of us: the coronavirus and its impact on the sports world, and and more locally here in Happy Valley, Sean. Um, Penn State going online throughout the remainder of this semester in terms of classes. Uh, they're going to be kind of funneling in students to come and, and, and get their belongings out of uh, living spaces. It, it's going to be obviously a lot of logistical things the university is going to have to work through and commen- commencement ceremonies are officially postponed and that's always unfortunate to hear it's going to be commonplace my sister's supposed to be graduating uh coming up and and i don't think she'll be walking anywhere maybe across the living room so you know that that's the way it's going right now um but you know you're a graduate here you you've lived here for a long time and and it's obviously strange to see spring rolling around and this campus and downtown and not that i'm venturing out and about but uh you know it's it's may as well be the dead of summer around here yeah, we're just going to imagine what State College looks like now because uh, we're all pretty much uh, hunkering down in, in the self-quarantine and things like that. And uh, yeah, it's crazy to think about just as big of a part of this town as the university is. And now all of a sudden, you know, you don't have university workers going. You don't have students here. It's a big difference. But uh, I mean, you're not here to listen to coronavirus stuff. You can <laughs> flip on the news and do all that kind of stuff. We're, we're focusing on Penn State football. And what this means for Penn State football is, I mean, you've got players going home. And, you know, that's probably, you know, it's rightfully so. Um, but what they have to do now in lieu of spring practice is keep up with their classes, keep up with their academic work while staying connected to the football program. I know that uh, talked to some people today. They're doing Zoom meetings for position meetings and things like that. So they're still keeping keeping in touch with what they do in, in you know in a regular spring session just can't get out there and play and that's got to be killing some guys and and really honestly I mean you, you hit it here on the rundown uh, there's gonna be some guys that are that are gonna sort of pay for missing spring ball I mean this was a really big spring for some guys some of them are at the top of the depth chart some of them are you know sort of fighting for a spot with the transfer period this was some people's last or excuse me the transfer portal this was some guy's last shot to sort of stick and make an impression unless they decided to go or before they decided to eventually go elsewhere. So missing that, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, on the surface, uh, you know, you just kind of miss. So, you know, a guy uh, that was fighting for, you know, you know, you don't like to speculate on transfers, but you take a look at the roster and some of these guys are fairly clear. A guy like Donovan Johnson, who's missed time with, with injuries the last couple of years, this was his opportunity. He had a great spring two years ago. Of course, got hurt last year or the year before, and, and then last year again. Now all of a sudden, he's trying to battle a guy like Marquise Wilson or uh, in you know other guys in the slot to where he could be the slot cornerback that we thought he could be. He's a very good player, just hasn't been able to stay uh, healthy. Now all of a sudden, you wipe those spring practices off for a guy like Johnson. He doesn't get to to make his chance, but at, at the same time, nobody else does. So. Penn State's sitting at, I think, 88 scholarships right now. I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting dynamic to add to things because when they get back, eventually, whenever that may be, I mean, you're, you're going to have the same group of guys together. And I don't know how it works with the 85 because all of a sudden you're not maybe getting the attrition that you thought you may have at one time. And this is not the time for a player that to dive in headfirst to the transfer portal, Sean. I mean, they're not going to be able to make campus visits. They're not going to be able to get really a physical evaluation from coaching staffs unless they already have personal tie-ins, which you do see with some of these transfers. Transfers, But yeah, the transfer portal, just like recruiting, kind of thrown for a loop. We'll get to some more recruiting because uh, Penn State has stayed active, quite active actually. Uh, but some subtle changes, well, not so subtle, some pretty extreme ones because no more in-person contact uh, between coaches 
and and these prospects. That means you're not going to see any campus visits. There's no one on campus right now anyways, and you're not going to see any coaches showing up. Uh, I was going to say high schools, but high schools are pretty much closed, and, and you're not going to see coaches showing up in, in other players' hometown to spend time in the living room, anything like that. There's not going to be any uh, you know, communication of that variety, but fortunately, we're all engaged on social media. That goes for the recruiting dynamics as well, um, and, and you know, there's a lot to dig into there. But, but going back to the current roster, Sean, uh, another big thing here, and, and I know that coaches all across the country, whether they admit it or not, if it's spring break, winter break, summer break, whenever players are off campus for an extended period of time, you're thinking, don't get into trouble. Let's remember, these are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds. There's some temptations around. Uh, there's a lot of idle time right now. And let's be realistic, there's going to be opportunities to make some wrong decisions. Um, and and that, that goes for every college player across the country. That goes for every high school player. And the other thing is, of course, we just spent you know two podcasts ago ate a lot of time breaking down how impressive guys were developing physically, the gains that had been made over the course of the two months of, of winter conditioning program and the strength program. Well, what happens now? You've got guys going back home. They're not going to have the nutritional assets that they would have on campus. You know, the smoothie's not going to be handed to them when when they walk out the door to go anywhere. Uh, you know, the, 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 they're going to have trouble finding heavy weights to lift. Gyms are closed across America. Um, you know, so, some may have a home gym that that would be very clutch at this point. But I've seen videos online of of recruits and college players, you know, pushing cars uh, up their driveway, trying to work out that way. I think push ups and sit ups, old school stuff like that. You're going to see that t- that take to the forefront. But what this is really going to test, and and this goes for everybody working from home, it goes for you and me, Sean. Goes for the coaches who are at their house, and it's certainly for the players. Accountability is going to be tested across this country in a lot of ways, day in, day out. And that certainly goes for these players as they try not to lose those physical gains. I would just like everyone to know that I ran four miles yesterday, and I'm pretty much telling everybody because I'm not a runner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anybody that can that, that can hear that, you know, you can appreciate that. Uh, no, but it, it's an interesting dynamic, and, it, and it's very low on the list of things that, that we really should care about. Well, when they get back to it, there's going to be guys – Maybe not out of shape, but when you're here, you're in peak physical condition. We joke all the time about, oh, so-and-so's in the best shape of his life. There's a reason for that. He better be in the best shape of his life because that's what they're doing. Um, but yeah, when they get back to it, it's going to be really interesting to see where they're at from a strength pro- uh, program status, or excuse me, a strength program standpoint. I'm still on vacation. I apologize. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's just a really interesting dynamic. And you mentioned the January enrollees, and I think this is where it's going to hit them because they basically... Basically, you know, they just had that big life change where they they arrive in January, they get into the strength program, something completely different than what they're used to seeing and what they're used to doing at home. And now all of a sudden you've got to go back to what you're used to doing at home. And you may think you work hard or you worked hard when you were in high school and you may think that you were, you know, uh, had the best trainers or had a great opportunity to, to get stronger. I mean, when you've got a guy like Keandre Lambert, who's benching 230 and, and at 175, 180 pounds, whatever he is, you know, it's pretty impressive. But then he got up to what benching 280 is what Dwight Galt said before the break that, I mean, that just shows you the difference in what it takes to work hard at the high school level and what it takes to work hard at the college level. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to have to have to go back to the high school level. I think that's a very intriguing um, subplot to this whole uh, time off is you mentioned it in a piece the other day, wide receiver is going to be completely up in the air. That would have been completely up in the air with spring ball. Now, all of a sudden, 
without spring ball, you're kind of thrown for a loop. And, and that's kind of the crazy thing that happens. Guys like Keandre Lambert, uh, you know, guys that were hoping to move up the depth chart. Daniel, Daniel George was hoping to, you know, assert himself as a starter. Cam Sullivan Brown coming off that injury, hoped to do the same. Now you've got a guy like Keandre Lambert or a John Dunmore or a TJ Jones missing out on this opportunity. It's going to be interesting. And then on the flip side, you've got a guy like Parker Washington or a guy like uh, Norval Black who's coming in this summer or set to come in this summer. Now all of a sudden they're not as uh, not at the big disadvantage that they would have been or slight disadvantage, big disadvantage, it depends on the position, that they would have been being 15 practices behind some of their classmates. One other note here, and, and it's not really a positive one, It, it uh, continuing with a lot of these themes, Guys who are recovering from injuries, we're not privy to a lot of the information. Some of them, you know, we hear about. We were told Jason Oway was bouncing back from a shoulder issue uh, this winter. We we mentioned Nick Tarburton being on crutches. There's a lot that we see and don't see that we can't talk about or that we're not learning about. And that I wonder, when guys have to go back to their hometown and they're not able to to keep up with the rehabilitation, because Penn State, like many of these Power 5 football programs, they have world-class specialists that are going to get you back from your injury as quick as possible. And, you know, now you're back home. You're dealing, you know, I don't know what, what this physical rehabilitation places are how many of them are even open right now so I think for guys recovering from injury this obviously throws a wrench in in that recovery status and uh, this is the point where I have to remind our listeners Sean that this is an even playing field Penn State we're talking about their issues but across the board right now early enrollees had to go back home pretty quickly Uh, you know players who are recovering from injury on every campus they're dealing with it right now and uh, there are new coach their coaching staff changes everywhere across college football this is a common theme, a, a common enemy, as you would say, for, for head coaches like James Franklin. Yeah, and, and this is the time that we just kind of repeat. We, we realize there's bigger issues out there. We're just trying to provide a distraction from that matter. But yeah, those, those kind of things are, are sort of all over the place. I mean, you've got tough, tough circumstances. You've got guys, like I said, that will be eventually out of the loop because of this and because they didn't get their chance to shine in the spring. Uh, we talked about it this week on a roundtable. Uh, you... Mark Brennan, myself, uh, picked the, uh, the the positions that would be in tricky spots. I think quarterback's an obvious one. Mark took that one. You took receiver, which to me is the most obvious one. And I took safety, just kind of change it up and make some things crazy. But I'll, I'll start with safety, um, where, where, you know, for, from my standpoint, safety was not good last year. At the end of the year, I mean, you could mask them, those guys, for a while. But by the end of the year, it was quite obvious. Once Minnesota and, and credit Kirk Chirac, and it's funny because we talked about uh, uh, this with Christian Valu, the, the quarterback prospect, a couple of uh, months ago, as he put that tape on for for Christian Valu and said, "This is how we attacked Penn State safeties. This is what we did," and and went right after them. And it, you know, all credit to them, they sort of exposed the Penn State defense and went from being a championship level defense to what we saw at the end of the year, which was just kind of hanging on. Uh, you know, the front seven did what it could. Uh, the the secondary had some issues. And, and as I've said multiple times, that's that a lot of that's on the safeties. Now you move on without Garrett Taylor. You're bringing back Lamont Wade, who, you know, showed some flashes, got his hands on the football a few times in that Ohio State game and did some nice things. But still, I think it's easy to, or, I think you're, you're not, and you're not stretching when you say there's improvement to be made with Lamont Wade. And then Jaquan Brisker, who to me was one of the, probably the top five guys on this roster that could have used spring practice the most, 
Risker showed enough last year, and he got beat, uh, you know, a decent amount of times. But he showed enough flashes and enough, uh, you know, enough of that ability that he could be a top level safety in the Big Ten. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't get that out. You move down the depth chart, you've got guys like Jonathan Sutherland, who've been here a while, uh, Tyler Rudolph, redshirted last year, a couple of other guys in that mix. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're just kind of pushing these 15 practices to the side and saying, hey guys, you got to get better on your own because this was a chance to fix really what what uh, hindered them down the stretch, especially in the passing game. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I still see Wade and Brisker as the guys uh, when camp opens eventually, whenever that may be. But it's just uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic when you take that out and, and how much is that going to have a ripple effect on this defense. I think we still think that this front seven can be very good. I think the corners have some talent as well, but those safeties were, were the missing piece last year. And we, we you know, we, I guess we're going to spend a year talking about, you know, how they would have to improve for this defense to get back to the level that we thought it could be. Unlike his former Lackawanna teammate, Jaquan Brisker did not get on campus with Anthony Wigan last spring. He, he, he showed up in the summer. So he's been on campus for less than a year. Played a lot of football last year, but certainly a very valid point for you. And also, noting on the safeties, if you were thinking about mixing and matching a little bit, you've mentioned uh, throughout this offseason maybe Trent Gordon because of what you got cooking at cornerback, maybe getting some uh, some looks at safety. This this obviously is an issue, not being able to, to get those long looks between Tim Banks and Terry Smith and Brent Pry and seeing who may have solid footing to make that kind of positional transition and who may be kind of in the deep end uh, and, and maybe you want to back off those plans. So uh, there's a lot to work through here. And, and I think we the constant theme of what Penn State was going to need to make a leap uh, if they were truly going to be a college football playoff contender in 2020 was the passing attack. And, and you know, Sean Clifford, everyone wants to see the Tanner Morgan esque kind of jump from him under Kirk Sharaka this year they've worked together for a couple months as you said there are ways to do this remotely they're going to be teaming up but you know it's very valuable Kirk Sharaka was talking about how much he goes through spring camp practice with a fine-tooth comb and how important that was going to be for him working with all new personnel this year that chance has now been obliterated um, but receiver, I think, is still the storyline. A new coach, you know, that's a common theme here. The fourth consecutive year, they'll have a new wide receivers coach. I've said this a lot. Only Jahan Dotson has more than a dozen college catches to his career at this point among this roster. And then you factor in, there are going to be five newcomers in this room. You thought you liked the chances for Keandre Lambert. I still do. But to make an immediate impact now, that takes a step back. He's got to go home. Doesn't know when he's going to get back to campus. Got Jaden Dotton on campus early. But the fact of the matter is, whenever you do get these guys on a practice field, only one of those five newcomers will have any college experience going into the summer. And that's Norval Black, who played a couple years at Lackawanna College. The other four, when you're going into summer, it looks like, Zero college practice reps with a new first-year coach and a serious need for immediate impact. Uh, it's just it, it's it's not a great scenario playing out in that receiver room. There's a lot going on right there, and it's and there's there's multiple layers to that. There's multiple levels to that. I think uh, a couple of guys that maybe could have bridge that gap John Dunmore now all of a sudden doesn't get a chance TJ Jones doesn't get a chance and, and Keandre Lambert is of course the guy that we've been hearing the most buzz about um, you know it's it, it's really tough to uh, figure just to figure out what this depth chart is going to look like I mean I did a, a would-be depth chart on online 24-7 this week and you know it kind of basically said take this and you know print it out and put in the bottom of the birdcage or whatever because it's going to look very different uh, whenever they take over 
Dotson, of course, being that constant. Uh, George is sort of working toward that. I like what I saw from Cam Sullivan. I've never been a big Cam Sullivan Brown guy. Um, you know, I thought he could have been a, a, a potential safety or something like that coming out of high school. I just wasn't overly impressed with the wide receiver skill, but showed some consistency, showed some smoothness to his game, which some of those other guys at those positions did not have. So um, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting spot for him. And now, he had a chance to gain a foothold on one of those starting jobs. Now, all of a sudden, you don't know what's going to happen. So um, I'm intrigued by the young guys. I think they've they've got talent in there. But uh, Taylor Stubblefield's got a heck of a job ahead of him. And that's, you know, that's sort of what you expected coming into this. Going back to quarterback for a second, I think it hurts uh, the, the freshman a lot. Uh, of course, you wanted Clifford to be out there, be on the same page with Kirk Shiraka. And, and Levis, I mean, the you know, you, you eventually see him as a as a wildcat guy, a goal line guy, but that's really not going to come into play all that much in a typical spring anyway. You're not really running too many goal line sets, um, but uh, he needed to improve as a passer, as we saw at the end of the last season. And then you got Taquan Roberson and Michael Johnson, who are just kind of forever linked together, kind of like John Dunmore and TJ Jones at receiver, just kind of linked together because they came in together. Skill sets kind of mesh with one another or play off of one another. I think Roberson's a little bit ahead right now. I think he was a better passer coming in. Johnson, more of an athlete, a freewheeler type thing. Uh, they were going to get a lot of reps in the spring, and now they're not. And as a quarterback, as a young quarterback, that's tough to swallow right there. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are some positions where you say things should be okay. And, and I failed to note running back here, but clearly that's one, Sean. Running back, tight end on offense. Uh, look, Pat Frymuth is going to stabilize that situation. Tyler Bowen is the longest tenured member of that offensive staff. We've talked about the depth they have in that room. And you know, speaking about depth, running back has plenty of it. Journey Brown, by all accounts, you know, really just producing a tremendous offseason, totally being that leader of the pack in the room. We know what Noah Kane, Devin Ford have the potential to do. Kazai Holmes has a couple months under his belt, but again, not being able to get those spring practices, uh, that nullifies a bit of the early enrollment bonus quite clearly. And then I think defensively, linebacker, because of that stability you've had with Brent Pry, he recruited all these guys himself. He has helped them mature uh, personally. So I think that's big to have that bridge, bridge the gap a little bit. And you got four or five stars, a bunch of four stars in that mix. We've talked about that. And I think cornerback, uh, you know, is a spot where because of the, the opportunities we saw true freshmen get last year with Keaton Ellis, Marquise Wilson, we like what we see from Joey Porter. He's got some developing to do. And, and Daquan Hardy has made some noise since getting to campus. So I, I think, you know, with, with Tariq Castrofield's coming back, that's a good spot. Offensive line also, Sean. I'm, I'm going a quick rundown here, but offensive line, I know it's a new uh, offensive line coach, Phil Troutwine, but again, you're returning five players with starting experience. They should be able to account for themselves on a day-to-day basis here, and I think that's important. You, you know, the veterans on this team, they should be able to handle this momentary pause a little bit better than guys who have not played in Big Ten games and guys who are, are on their you know 12th, 13th, 14th month on campus. So uh, you know, those are just some positions that I think Maybe you like where you're at, uh, despite the fact that these are unfortunate circumstances. Well, you, you like where you're at in some spots because you're talking about position battles for backup jobs. And I think a running back and tight end, uh, you know, the, not having the spring will hurt because you had a what I thought could be a terrific 
you know, sort of jostling for the backup position between Noah Kane and Devin Ford, who has a full year into the program or, or doesn't have a full year into the program, but has a full offseason under his belt now. And at tight end, Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange are the kind of the same. Linebacker could go either way because, yes, they, they do have a bunch of talent there. There's a lot of uh, stars in that room, but you're also replacing a starter in Jan Johnson, replacing a starter in Cam Brown. What's Brandon Smith bring to the table? Is Ellis Brooks the guy in the middle? So there's there's interesting subplots all over the place. Uh, corner is interesting to me because, I mean, most of that room is the 2019 class. And, and Joey Porter's done some nice things. They like what they've seen from him. Marquise Wilson, we've all seen, uh, you know, made some plays at the end of the season. Of course, Keaton Ellis is there as well. So I, I, I like where they're at from a talent standpoint, but, it, you know, they need reps. That's where, that's where they were going to be. Offensive line is very interesting to me. Weren't going to have Michael Mennett for the spring, uh, so you're moving pieces around. Uh, Mike Miranda was going to play some center. Des Holmes was going to slide in there and play some left guard, um, you know, or, or, or I guess be the starter at left guard for the spring. Uh, very big spring for those two guys, and now all of a sudden that's off the table. And a guy like Caden Wallace, who you, you talked about as a potential guy that could, could battle for that left guard spot, he's still out at tackle where they're trying to develop depth. It's, it's, it's really interesting because... You, you you look at the front five, you see Stephen Gon- excuse me, you see Steven Gonzalez is gone and you think, okay, well they gotta fill that gap at guard. How's that gonna happen? Well that's one thing, but if you list out the scholarships and you list out the roster of what's standing there, tackle is very thin right now and, and you can move guys around. You've of course got Walker and Fries as starters. You've got Des Holmes who played last year. You can move guys around like Holmes, um, but Wallace is out there. You need to solidify your two deep because that's going to be very important in the long run. So tackle is really a spot where, you know, at first you look at it and you say, okay, you know, they got bodies there. They got returning starters there. That's great. But it's a spot that needs to cultivate some depth. They've got three guys coming in in the summer and Jimmy Christ and Olu Fashanu and Ibrahim Traore. But really those guys are, are, are a ways off as well. So tackles just an interesting subplot in, uh, in Phil Troutwine's first year, because it's really not one that you would have thought uh, about coming into the spring. Yeah. You're shuffling the deck on the offensive line. You're shuffling the deck on linebacker. I think you like a lot of those pieces, but the two deep needs to come together and, and the lack of spring practice certainly inhibits that approach. We'll talk a lot more about uh, clearly this pause in momentum and what it's going to mean for, for program development. A lot of content up, uh, some roundtable stuff with Mark, Sean, and myself uh, up online, 247.com. So we'll get into that more. We're going to turn our attention to recruiting in a moment, but first, uh, Tune into this break and then stick around for Fatoma Molba, a defensive tackle. That's another interesting position that we'll get into on a future podcast. Uh, International journey to Happy Valley. Uh, Hear about that in just a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The latest early enrollee to join us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We didn't have to search far. He's one of the premier players in this 2020 Pennsylvania recruiting class. It is Fatorma Mulba, Susquehanna Township defensive lineman, a guy who came on strong in 2019 on the recruiting trail, ended up earning a Penn State offer at camp, and soon afterward committed to the class. Uh, By the time you're all hearing this, he will be enrolled on campus. But as we're talking, it's the day he's going. And and so it's an exciting time for Fatorma. Thank you for making time for us here on a Friday morning. You know, you're you're going to bed in Happy Valley tonight. How does that sound? Man, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You talked about it before we, we the podcast going. You're going to have some family making the trip with you. Mom will be there today, others tomorrow. Um, yeah. What is the buildup towards this new chapter in your life been like? What are the emotions you're feeling and, and what has the experience been like? Um, like it's like it's been an interesting journey to the recruiting process and finally year like it's like it's crazy how time flew by and it's like like just leaving my family and everything, my friends and just leaving everything behind and going and going over to the young chapter and like starting the young chapter is something that like I've been I've been looking forward to and getting ready to work hard and and just helping the team up there. That's what I've been looking forward to and it's been it's been an interesting journey and and yeah, what does the Penn State coaching staff? What do they do uh, to make sure that you're prepared for this moment? So, so maybe you can get a bit of a head start at home before you actually check in on campus. Oh, just getting your mind right. It's like, like all like most of the playoffs told me it's like, um, uh, a mental stuff. Like it's like it's all mental and stuff. Just getting your mind right and going in there to to put in the work. That's that's that that's the only way you can get ready. Like. It's not. It's not anything like you. You, you gotta be physical, ready too. That's that's one part of it. But like, it's it's our mental. Mental aspect obviously huge. Making that transition from high school to college. But for Tormo, the physical part of the equation, you fit the bill for that. We have you listed at six foot three, right around two hundred and seventy pounds. Is that where you're going to campus at, or are you a little bit bigger at this point? I'm like around two seventy five. Like trying to get my weight up before before. Before winter winter workout starts, was my big focus because I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to get bigger, get stronger. So I've been in the weight room every every uh, every day, putting that work and getting ready for winter workout. All right, well we'll see where you where it takes you from here. You mentioned uh, working and preparing for this moment. Someone who's been a big part of your process, from what you told us earlier in your recruitment, uh, is Jordan Hill, who played defensive tackle at Penn State and had an opportunity to go on to the NFL. Can you talk about his influence on your development and, and how he's prepared you? Um, so like all off season and stuff, like we we are uh, we had something going on. Like we gave, he gave me a few advice, a few few uh few tip on how to do drills and stuff. And he like he helped me a whole lot doing the all season and I feel like that helped me going into the season and stuff. But yeah, he's a good dude. Um known him for the past two years and he's 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 really been like a mentor to me and stuff. So yeah. 
And what is what did he tell you about Penn State? Obviously, he's got some insider tips, spending uh, a significant portion of his life on campus. What did he give you as far as a heads up on, on what to expect uh, in Happy Valley? Oh, oh, he left the decision uh, the decision out to me. Like he's like, man, you just gotta enjoy the ride, like have fun with it, work hard, do the little things, and you're gonna be like he like he told me he's like, man, you're gonna be you're gonna be successful out there, and he just. Like he, like he just um, told me to work hard and like enjoy the moment because it's it's not gonna last forever. Enjoy enjoy every second of it and just 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 give it your all. That's that that was just me advice that I took from him and just going there to work hard. We will talk about your big 2019 year and, and how it changed your life in a second. But let's go back to 2014, not that long ago, but you made a huge move with your family from Liberia, moving to a different continent. Did you speak much English at that point? How was the transition for you socially? And, and, and when did you find football? Man, it was tough for a second coming into a young country and stuff. It was tough. I, like my accent was like, like it was like a it, uh, it was a main down for them like it was it was hard like it was a hard transition for me and be at this moment right now i'm so proud of myself and everything i've i've, I've accomplished and stuff but like it like it was tough for like the first few months from liberia to america like just getting to the um meeting young people and getting adjusted to the young culture and stuff like over here and and the weather, it was it was difficult for a second, but as time goes on, I got I got used to it. Athletics, I hear this all the time from from guys who come in from a different country. You you find commonality in sports, and you make friends that way, and, and you expand your horizons. When did football become a passion for you, and 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 how was it introduced to you? Oh, uh, it it was like three years. Oh, uh, I started playing freshman football my freshman year. And it was like three, three, four years ago. And people were just like, I was like a big basketball dude back then, trying to play basketball. I thought basketball was what I'm gonna, uh, I was going to do. And just trying to play basketball, but as time goes on, and people keep telling me to try football, football. And I just, I just tried and I, I like the spokes. So, like, uh, I tried and I got my first socks the first game. I was like, man, why not try to keep doing this? And since then, I've been doing it. I, yeah, I, you know, and I like to do it. So like, just hitting people and stuff, and just like it's a it's a good game. It's a good game. And I really like it, and I'm so happy and proud that I've come this far because of football. And and people tell me to play. I I have no regret why like I played it, but it's 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 a good sport. You know, it's a good sport, and I love playing it. And six foot three will take you a lot further on a football field than it will on a basketball court. That, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and you also wrestled. So you were very involved. I mean, let me ask you, in terms of football, what did it do for you? You talked about the transition to a new country being difficult. What? Did, how did football help you with that process? Oh, just making your friends and sharing. Like, it's like it's like family. Like, that's 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 one thing. Football help you with friend, family. Building like a building like a bond with people that you that you share common interests with, and just having that family that you can talk to and people that you can connect with and just dealing with adversity and stuff like that's like the main that like that's the main thing that football gave me like how to deal with stuff how to persevere and stuff and that's and that's why I take from uh, taking from football since I've been playing it like knowing how to deal with stuff as a as a young man growing up and. Just life in general. Football help you help you with everything, making that connection with people and 
sharing that common interest that you that you got and playing with somebody right next to you, fighting for somebody right next to you is 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 the greatest sport ever. This time last year, you, you didn't have any offers. Last February, at the end of last February, you didn't have any offers. All of a sudden, that started to change. When did momentum start going your way in recruiting? And what was the experience like as as, as all of a sudden opportunities started to develop? Yeah, once once I received my first offer from Buffalo, things like coaches, RBS coaches started hitting me up, and I started like my recruiting process started like started getting like like it started getting big, but it wasn't as um, uh, as big as like over the summer. Like over the summer was when my recruiting process was very explode and and yeah, but like uh, throughout the winter, it was just like um, schools like Buffalo and other schools. That that I've offered me and that I was talking to, but for some reason that like this saw my development. I went to camp and stuff, and just show out and and work hard at them and like just just went to camp and and show and show why I should um, I should earn an offer from a big time school like Penn State, and that's when my recruiting process really started boosting up. Buffalo was that first one for you. Ended up getting Bowling Green, UConn, Massachusetts, Temple, Toledo, uh, those kind of schools. But I know for you, things broke through in June. You made it a trip to to State College for a camp um, mm-hmm. the second week of June. Were you determined to earn that offer that day? Um. So it's 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 kind of funny because coaches hit me up. They're like, uh, "We want you to come to the camp." I was like, "Yeah, all right." I went to the camp. Um, about like when the camp was over, I was about to go home, and Coach Franklin was like, "Oh, hold up, um, Coach Franklin, want to talk to you for a second. I was like, like I wasn't expecting. It. I was just like, "Oh, it's just another camp. I can just go out there and like do what I do and get out and get recognized and stuff." But I went there and show out, and they were like impressed with my numbers and what I did. And Coach Franklin talked to me that day, and he's like, "Man, we like interested in you and stuff like that. We won't be talking to you if we're not." And like that, it was like just like boom. They started talking to me, and they offered three days after that. So it was like crazy. Right? Yeah. Franklin says we'll talk. Seventy-two hours later, you're on the Penn State target board. Things move no, fast yeah. in college football sometimes. Yeah. And ten day, and then ten days after that, you're a part of this class at Penn State. It it yeah. all seemed, you know, within two weeks, you go to camp, you get the offer, you enter the class. Did you take a big deep breath after all that and take a look back and say, "Wow, that that just happened"? For sure, yeah. I was thinking about it. I was like, "Man, it's like yo, my life just changed all of a sudden." Like just going to camp, and you like people don't like you work hard like every time, and once you get that opportunity, you gotta like you gotta make use of it. And I got an opportunity uh, opportunity to go to camp, and I took advantage of that and earned an offer, and that's and that's like. Is 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 still like like it still got um gets to me right now because I work for it like it's something I've earned like it it wasn't just given to me it's something I I feel like I've earned and I deserve to be on the squad. How did your family respond to this whole development and and what 2019 has meant to you? And because I'm imagining football was not a big part of of the family conversation until just a few years ago. Is this something that has just been kind of an unexpected blessing for for your family? Oh yeah, for sure. My 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 parents didn't even expect football to be like my focus. All they thought was going to school 
producing grades and stuff and being good in class and and right after high school maybe going to the military or going to the national guard that was my dad like that was my dad taught but this but last year's all of a sudden i received my first offer like he like he was like he was shocked he was like wow that's like because he been taking the every workout taking the stuff and just seeing that he was like man it's it, like it's like it's really impressive so right there he was he was shocked and he just been going up from there and he he been supportive. My parents been supportive to all the to all the recruiting process, and I'm really happy for that. I'm happy that the band will be in the stock with me throughout that because the whole stuff can be stressful sometimes. The whole recruiting process, but once you have that supportive people to help you throughout, it's it's good. When did you attend your first football game? I'm not, and I don't mean your own game or a high school game. Uh, I mean a college game, an NFL game. When did you first attend a big time football atmosphere? A big town football atmosphere. Uh it was probably Temple. I went to my first Temple game, then went to an Eagles game. But my first college football game was Temple. And you got a chance to check out Beaver Stadium in a whiteout setting this fall. I know for you that must have been an eye-opening experience. Uh, for someone who just came to this country five years ago, it, it seems to be one of the greatest shows in all of American sports. Sure. What did you make? What did you make of that entire uh, environment? Man, it was man, it was like crazy. You could feel like it was it was something that I haven't experienced. So it was like all you to me because people was telling me like they were like, man, you're gonna like that way out. So I was like, oh yeah, I like I like I went there check it out. And I was like, man, this gotta be like the greatest atmosphere in all of college football because. It's like people shaking hands, people yelling, people like it's loud in there. So like, man, like in a few years from now, I'm ready gonna be on this field playing in this type of atmosphere. So it was like it was like crazy like it was it was fantastic. Yeah. You will be on that field this year. Uh, I know it's probably crazy to think about, but you'll be on the field next time there's a whiteout. You know, whether you're playing or whether you're supporting your teammates from the sideline, that remains to be seen. But but when you look ahead here at 2020, what are your personal expectations for, for what you want to do and what you want to achieve uh, as a freshman at Penn State? As a freshman, uh, I'm just going in as a, uh, with the mindset of getting better and just getting – because people don't understand, like, I've only been playing the sport for, like, two, three years. It's just going in and working hard. And seeing what, cause hard work is what I've been depending on. I wasn't, I wasn't growing up as a football fan. I, I wasn't all that. I wasn't, I wasn't totally like involved in all that stuff in football. But since I've been playing, it's just hard work, and I feel like working hard and staying dedicated to what coaches telling me and what I gotta do. I feel like that's gonna take me a long way. And just going in and working hard and helping my team getting better. Um. And that's, yeah, that's that, that's the main goal for me, just staying focused and working hard. Well, you, you said you've depended on hard work to get here. That's a great thing to depend on. That's a great foundation. It helped you rack up 12 sacks this year as a senior. And, and, and what is the coaching staff telling you in terms of what he sees uh, from you at the defensive line position uh, across the defensive front? What is his vision for you? Man, he sees me as like he don't want me to like, like he want me to be around three hundred and stuff, but he don't want me to be at like that big. Like he wants like he wants me to be like all muscles and stuff, playing the three tech and just being dominant and using techniques that he's gonna teach me and 
just just being a master out there and like I feel like he's he's gonna help me too out. Like he's gonna he's gonna get me ready. Like he's 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 gonna be a good a good coach for me. Cause I like I like how he do stuff. He's straight up with you. I like his motto and everything and everything he stands for. And getting to the quarterback, that's that's that that's something that I love to do. And just hitting somebody and yeah, just just all that. Hitting the quarterback, always a good thing when you play on the defensive line. Three new wild dogs coming in in January. You, Cole Brevard, and Bryce Mostella. What is your relationship with, with some of these other early enrollees? H- have you established uh, some significant bonds that you going into campus with? Yeah, for sure. We've been we've been talking to our since since, uh, since I've committed. Uh, we've been talking and we've been built like we like we like we have that bond already. We've been talking. And Bryce, we've been like he's a funny dude, and Cole, like we're gonna be, we're gonna be fighting, like we're gonna be fighting with each other, like we're gonna be fighting every time to um helping one another get better, and just going down the line of scrimmage, and I, I got his back, he got my back. That's that's what I see in the next few years, being my buddy and like dominating on the field. Off the field, who is your roommate? Tyler. Tyler Elsden. Okay, so and and he's a guy, obviously another another top Pennsylvania player who who earned an offer on the camp scene. What are you excited about Tyler and and, and getting to spend a lot of quality time with him here in the next year? Yeah, just looking at Tyler, man, he's a he's a great like uh, like he's he's like that guy that when I asked for him, I was like, yeah, Tyler for sure, cause he's like that dude that's gonna be playing behind me and he's gonna he's gonna like help me to get better, like. Uh, and I'm gonna help him to get better too. So like, we need each other. But he's just a great dude, very physical, and I feel like he's gonna be a good roommate and a good person. And just just getting his back, cause that linebacker, like we like buddies. So like that, like like we need each other. So it's like Tyler, roommate, and playing on the field, playing playing for each other every time. So it's like. If there is one thing about this 2020 Penn State recruiting class, and I guess now the fr- it's more appropriate to call it the freshman class, uh-huh. what what is James Franklin making sure is your mission? What what is he trying to to make sure that is instilled in each of you about what you can accomplish in the next four or five years? Just coming in and getting your degree first, and just just as the uh, the the education aspect of it, like that's his main focus, because. Coming in, football, football gonna be there. Football is, um, football not gonna last forever. But the education is what gonna like, and that's his main focus. Coming with that mindset of being here for four to five years, if you can get your master, get your master, and let everything play out. Cause the education is what you're keeping with you, and that's his main focus for the 2020 class. Well, you mentioned education being above the rest. Do you have a plan for what you want to pursue as a student? Oh, probably business, but I'm going out on the side right now and checking out all those stuff. Well, that's great. Uh, that, that's great for you to explore your options. Uh, there's plenty yeah. to choose from and, and over the next few years. And this, the, the last thing for you here, it's not a question for Torma, but mm-hmm. give you, I'll give you the floor. I'll give you the microphone. A lot of Penn State fans are listening. They're going to get to know you a lot better in a few years. We'll learn a lot about you as a football player. Mm-hmm. Tell them what they should know about Fatorma Mulba and what he's bringing to the Penn State community. Man, they're gonna get a guy that's gonna work hard. Gonna when he has when he has the opportunity, he's gonna he's gonna show out. He's gonna help his team to get better, and 
he's gonna he's gonna give his all. That, that that's why they got that that's why they get it. A guy who's gonna work hard. That's all you can ask for. And and, and you came. I know you. There were some feelings of of maybe loneliness when you first got to the United States. Your family's about to get a lot bigger uh, in Happy Valley. Uh, enjoy that process. Thank you for giving us some time. You're just a few hours away from making that trip. So uh, best of luck. We'll see you soon around campus. And and thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great stuff from Fatorma. Look forward to him getting back on campus. Look forward to watching these guys uh, actually participate on the football field as Penn State athletes. It's been a great uh, series that we've done here on the podcast, and that is our last early enrollee that we caught up with days before they got to campus. So thanks to everyone who was involved. If you missed any of those, go back to our uh, last couple months of episodes at this point. Uh, Plenty of good conversations with the newest Penn State players. So, as I mentioned, the recruiting has remained pretty active uh, for Penn State despite uh, the suspended visits uh, across college football. About 20 new offers went out between Monday and Thursday. We're recording on a Friday. That number could be growing as we speak. Many in the 2022 class. On Thursday alone, I got a story up this afternoon. Four top 10 receivers, and I can call them top 10 now, Sean, because as I said, a fresh top 24-7 for 2022 is out. A bunch of content for us to analyze as it comes at a good time. And by the way, Pennsylvania, as we have thought, looking quite loaded in the 2022 class. Yes, if you need proof that coaches do pay attention to rankings and rankings releases. (laughs) And it's more, and I say that, and it's more about the information than anything. Maybe you missed a guy. Uh, maybe you know uh, there's there's a guy that is uh, just out of your region or something like that, and maybe you want to take a shot and see if you got a uh, connection with. I uh, you know I saw Arlen Harris Jr. on the list from Missouri, and he's of course uh, Arlen Harris's son, Aaron Harris's nephew, uh, former Penn State running back, uh, very very uh, strong lineage in Downingtown there. So it's just these kind of random things just pop up, and then all of a sudden. You know, just watch Twitter, and it's not just Penn State. Everybody's offering these kids in the days after a release like this, and it's kind of funny to sit back because you have a lot of people that are strictly on the uh, coaches don't pay attention to this stuff uh, board, and and they do, and it's it's really it's it's easy proof to show you that. But yes, Pennsylvania pretty loaded. A uh, bunch of guys in there. there there's um, Anai White is in the top ten defensive end out of Imhotep. Had a really good uh, junior year. Keenan Nelson from St. Joe's Prep, who Penn State has actually not uh, not offered yet, which is interesting. Um, but then the the three guys that I'm looking at, you know, you want to kind of uh, turn your attention to as as potential core of the class type guys. But Makai Flowers from Steel High. Nicholas Singleton from Governor Mifflin and Anthony Ivey uh, from uh, Cedar Crest, I think it is. Um, sorry, I just uh, lost uh, lost that in my head. Um, but three district three guys, middle of the state guys that have been on campus a whole lot, and all of a sudden you're you're lumping them together. Brian Doan and I were talking last week about this this group, and it's like, who would you rank higher? And we just kept going back and forth on you know you can make this point for this guy, and then all of a sudden I think there's seven spots uh, separating the three in the top twenty four seven ranking. So. Pennsylvania, uh, good 2021 class, which Penn State really hasn't capitalized on so far, but uh, really, really good 22 class that that they've had those guys on campus quite a bit. So we'll see where that goes, and it's still too early to speculate uh, leaders and and where Penn State's going to stand with those guys, but they've gotten them on campus a bunch. They've uh, struck up relationships, and they've offered these guys early, which is something that they haven't always done. 
They haven't always, uh, you know, been at the forefront of some of these guys' recruitment. Maybe worried about, uh, you know, a misevaluation early or anything like that. But they were early on Flowers. They were early on Ivy. Uh, relatively early on Singleton as well. So um, they, they they've jumped right in with the 2022 class, and it's it's a good one to do so in the state of Pennsylvania. Anthony Ivy out of Mannheim Township. I did a little research ah, while you were while you were working that. your way through that. So, that. And he was a kid that was impressive for sure last summer on the camp circuit. Uh, by the way, thank goodness this time of the year, particularly this year, top school list season. Landon Tengwell is the big one here. He's down in Notre Dame, Penn State. Uh, we had a uh, Tom Loy from the Notre Dame side in 24-7 had a big breakdown of that him wrestling with those two schools. Michigan is now out of it. Another offensive lineman to note here, Caleb Tiernan out of Michigan, Ohio State. The Wolverines, Northwestern, and Penn State in the mix. Marcus Burke, who's a four-star Florida receiver. We talked about him on the, a couple podcasts ago because I caught up with him after his offer. Some, some connections with Taylor Stubblefield dating back to the Miami days. Florida, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Miami, Penn State are his final five. Number one tight end, Thomas Fedone has six in mind, including Penn State. Number one running back, Travion Henderson, goes from 40-plus offers down to a final nine. Penn State is on that list as well. And then a couple four-star Maryland recruits, Zaki Wheatley uh, and also Jaleel Farouk, have Penn State on their list. I believe theirs are, are more in the long department. Uh, but I think the Tangwall one is obviously notable. Uh, but Sean, any takeaways? I, I wanted to get them all on the table real quickly. You didn't include Kevin Gilliam's... Uh... Top 15. Top that he 15. Put out I summer. did not. Good uh, observation. Tangwall still feel good about Penn State here. Uh, interesting dynamics there without him being able to visit Notre Dame. He had two Notre Dame visits set up and one to Penn State. And then eventually he would have scheduled a second uh, official visit to Penn State. I still like Penn State here. I talked to Tom Loy um, of our Notre Dame site. He kind of feels the same way. Uh, he's been in a lot of contact with Landon. So, um, you know, this is really looking across the board. You don't feel great about a ton of guys, but you feel pretty fantastic about Landon Tangwall right now. Caleb Tiernan, they've had him on campus a couple of times, most recently uh, at the beginning of February. I, I, I lean Michigan right now, but Penn State, uh, you know, Phil Troutwine has been in on this. Burke, it you know, is a Florida kid. We'll just go with that. Uh, Fedone, you're going to have to try and get for an official visit. It looks like uh, Iowa and Nebraska are the two right now. Probably more so Nebraska slightly. But, I mean, if you're a tight end in that area of the country, Iowa's got to look pretty good to you. And uh, Trevion Henderson, Ohio State's the leader right there. It's unfortunate for Penn State because Henderson is really a top-of-the-board type player. If you've watched any bit of highlights in this 2021 class, I would suggest it being Henderson. If he goes to Ohio State, probably won't suggest that for our, our listeners. But, man, he's, he's pretty fantastic. Zaki Wheatley still have Penn State uh, sitting at the top for him. Uh, really, one of those guys where it depends how hard he pu- you push. Uh, you know, you have needs at safety. He's kind of an athlete, started out as a receiver, maybe could play some corner play some uh play some safety as well so we'll see what goes with that Jaleel Farouk I think still an important recruit for Penn State um very close with Caleb Williams um which that one doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon uh, but uh Farouk's a guy that Penn State was in a great spot before the coaching change need to sort of recapture that momentum that they have or yeah, that Henderson, they had yes yeah Henderson to, to Ohio State would not be good for Penn State fans especially coming off just a couple days ago Evan Pryor who was the initial Nittany Lions target at running back in the 2021 class he committed to the Buckeyes he is one of 12 four or five stars currently in that Ohio State 2021 class 
Penn State at two commits, got some work to do, and obviously Ohio State has been setting the pace in the Big Ten now for several years. And they're an outlier right now nationally. I mean, it's it's Ohio State and Clemson and then everyone else, and then you've got some other sort of upstarts like North Carolina. Rutgers has been, been getting uh, you know commitments, and some other schools have, have kept getting commitments throughout this dead period, but uh, North Carolina is really the one that you know, is is probably turning the most heads. Ohio State's a machine right now. They're doing fantastic with what they've got, and and really, it's selling themselves. And and really, you know, you don't think about Ohio State. You you take a look at all the talent that they brought in. Well, their running back room is 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 nothing right now. I mean, Trey Sermon's going to end up there from Oklahoma in the transfer portal, and you know, he may be your starter if he can get eligible right away. Um, it's based off of injuries that they had in the spring. So Pryor and Henderson both ending up there. You know, it's a product of what's uh, what's going on with that. So that's t- that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, on in the big picture, um, you, you've got a couple of guys, and I said, you know, I've said for a long time, you watch the guys that have actually visited, the guys that you actually, you know, w- could have seen as potential guys in this class. Evan Pryor was one of them. Wyatt Millam committed to West Virginia, so starting to see some of that movement. And you know, not all of it is good for Penn State. So we'll see where they go through this dead period. There's a lot of skyping going a lot uh, uh, on, a lot of zooming going along with prospects trying to build that relationship without getting to campus which is not the easiest thing in the world we mentioned thomas fedone being the number one tight end in the country having penn state in the mix brock bauer is the number two tight end in 24 7 sports rankings sean caught up with him i caught up with a few of the new offers you can catch all that content for our vip subscribers up online 247.com we know it's a time right now for pinching pennies just letting everyone know 50% off annual VIP subscriptions at the moment. $1 for your first month. That's a different route you can go. We'll do our best to distract you, entertain you, and give you some great nuggets along the way. Uh, Sean, before we go, I wanted to do something new. You had 30 minutes to think about it now. We're trying to do a positive observation. doesn't have to be Penn State related. I will quickly share mine uh, as a parting gift. We want to give some positive momentum to everybody in our listening audience. I posted this on our message board earlier in the week, but last weekend I went down to my uh, hometown in South Jersey. I spent all day Saturday before... You know, stuff really hit the fan here nationally, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and everywhere. Uh, but, you know, spent time with, with my godson, Parker. He turned three years old. Uh, I've told the story quite a bit. Spending time at, at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, watching him undergo treatment to, for liver cancer before his first birthday. He was six months old. It was my first season here. Uh, going back and forth to Philadelphia, and here it, it was trying times. And I will tell you, watching him roll around in his new little Ford Bronco, uh, skateboarding, and, and I'm telling you right now he's the coolest kid in his neighborhood he's got all these kids uh eating out of the palm of his hand and 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 following him around the neighborhood so um really it was it was really exciting to see and and it was a nice at least for me server lining in a few days span that has totally altered our perception of reality so i i i came ready with mine this week sean yeah i i was totally blinded by this as we started <laughs> you, you threw that at the bottom uh, it's been really great to see the response that we've had from some of the people on our board. And I know some people, this is a sensitive subject for a lot of people, but keeping each other up is ultimately what's going to get people through this. And we've done a nice job of that. Uh, you know, I hate to turn this into a pitch, but we've done a nice job of that in our community at Lions 24-7. And I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, some of the human element come through because, you know, college football message board, human elements kind of thrown out the window sometimes. So 
it, it, it's been great to see some of that stuff, especially around this community. I love this community, and I, I'm sort of it, it sort of validates how things have you know uh, sort of validates the the feelings that I have about that to see some of the stuff that I've seen over the last week. People helping each other out. People specifically helping older people out, which is not something that you know. You know, it takes somebody special to go out and do that and have the initiative to do that. And we've seen a lot of that, especially in State College. Um, again, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, area, phenomenal place to raise kids and things like that. And I think that's further validated. I'm very lucky to live where I do, where I live, and do what I do for a living, which is at this point providing a distraction for for our leader, for our readers, for our listeners. And that's really all we can ask to do. And, you know, interact with us, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up uh, wherever you can. If you want to hear us talk about something, because we're going to be, let's be honest, we're going to be filling some space here. For the brainstorming next time, Sean. It is brainstorming it's, uh, time. It's an extended content season. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll bring back the stupid Penn State power rankings from the Callahan days, but we're going to try our best to keep you distracted because that's what we can do at this point. And, um, we appreciate you guys sticking with us, reading us, listening to us, interacting with us, and doing all those things because it's a, you know, it's a really unforeseen circumstances here, uh, unprecedented as I guess the word that I keep using over and over again. Uh, it's unprecedented times, and we're just happy to have you with us. Really, we will lean on you, folks. You can lean right back, and we'll continue to provide that content on a daily basis, along with Mark Brennan and our widespread twenty four seven sports network. Uh, for now, we'll step away on behalf of Sean Fitz. Welcome back. Back from vacation, Sean. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. Make the most of these next few days. We'll talk to you soon.